With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. And you can also read my uh, regular column, Agent's Take, at CBSSports.com. Uh, last week, we uh, covered the best defensive player contracts from the player's perspective. This week, we're going to do the best offensive player contracts from the player perspective. And before we do that, um, just we're going to go over some of the criteria, things I look at. Uh, to determine what are the better contracts. Uh, first thing is that NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed, so they're different from baseball and basketball contracts. So average yearly salary and overall contract value, most important things we know about the contracts uh, to the general public are really the least important in determining uh, how good a deal is. What I look at is one of the things I look at is how much money is guaranteed early, how much money is fully guaranteed at signing, and also look at the cash flow in terms of how much is in the early years versus the later years because on a long-term contract, if you've got more of the money in the later years of the contract than the front and in the early years, then it's backloaded. And for backloaded deal, the uh, odds of a player seeing the full contract since they aren't fully guaranteed isn't all that great. One thing we got to clear up is how these contracts are valued. Um, I see people on Twitter who, when I say something about a contract value, and we're going to go with the uh, contract just signed by Marlon Humphrey. It's a five-year extension averaging $19.5 million per year. Um, he's under contract for seven years. Negotiation is over the new money. Every negotiation I had with someone who was under contract it was over how many years, what new money would be added to the deal. And I'm going to use uh, Miles Garrett to illustrate this point. Uh, Miles Garrett became the first $25 million per year non-quarterback in NFL history. When he signed the deal, he had two years left. He had a, this year he was going to make a little over $4.6 million um, in the fourth year of his rookie contract. And then the fifth year option was for $15.184 million. Now, um, the new money is $125 million with five new years. Now, he is under contract for seven years at slightly under $145 million. So over the seven years, the average is basically 20.7. But that is not what how the deal should be valued. The deal is valued over the new money. Let's get that straight. I get tired of people mischaracterizing uh, deals. So when you talk about an extension, there's time left on a contract. It is the extension average or the new money. If a contract expires, the deal is the deal. There is no such thing as new money. 
Um, something else I'll look at is how a deal racks up or stacks up historically. So something I started doing a long time ago was adjusting contracts uh, for cap inflation. So what I'll do is I'll take a existing contract and see how it will measure compared to where other contracts are if you adjust them to the current cap environment. Now, uh, let's turn our attention to uh, this week's actual uh, offensive players. Now, first up is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson um, signed a four-year deal, four-year extension, $156 million, $39 million, new money average worth up to $160 million of incentives. There's $110 million in guarantees, a little over $110 million, almost $111, and 73.7 fully guaranteed at signing. Now, the Patrick Mahomes deal was thought to be a ceiling for him. Mahomes signed a 10-year, $450 million extension worth up to $500 million of incentives. Now, where Mahomes is in terms of new money after certain junctures was supposed to be the ceiling for um, whatever Watson was going to do. And Mahomes, after four new years, is at $38.95 million per year. I didn't think Watson was going to be able to leapfrog Mahomes. He did. He got to $39 million, So that was very impressive. Now, by taking the shorter route, doing what most other quarterbacks do, sign a traditional deal, four years, four new years, five new years. That's really the max where quarterbacks are going now. Watson's going to be in a better position to maximize his career earnings from player contracts. That's probably not the primary consideration for Mahomes. He wants to try to win Super Bowls, and that's his prerogative. Um, But he's, over time, most likely going to leave a lot of money on the tape. But if he wins four or five rings, then he's not going to care. If he's stuck at one, then maybe it'll be like, I didn't make the right decision. Only time will tell. Now, what's going to be a relevant point for Mahomes is when they when it comes time to get another deal, I mean for um, Watson, when it comes time to get another deal, will be where Mahomes is in terms of the new money he's earned at that per, that particular juncture. Now, most likely, the Texans will want to extend Watson in 2025. And at that point, Watson would need another $191.1 million to match where Mahomes is um, if you go through those years. Because Mahomes is at um, 347.1 in new money through 2029. Um, so if he signed another four-year extension, it would have to average $47.775 million per year for Mahomes to break even with where Mahomes' contract is after eight new years. Now, I suspect that... We're going to have great cap growth once we get past Corona. The new TV money, the new TV deals are going to be uh, escalating significantly. We'll have a 17th regular season game. NFL is going to figure out how to fully exploit gambling revenue. So um, for Mahomes to get $50 million per year, that's just going to be a 28% increase over the extension he just signed. Now, what does that really mean in terms of putting it in some sort of context? Let's look at um, two contract, two quarterbacks who have signed two extensions over the past several years. First, Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. If you look at uh, the, they had five-year lag times between um, their current contract and the one before. Rodgers got a 52% increase on average salary, and Ryan a 44.6% increase. So if uh, those deals are any occasion for what's going to happen with Watson, then he's going to blow past $50 million per year by the time um, he's up again. Now, let's move to uh, one more quarterback uh, deal, and that is 
Kirk Cousins. Now, Kirk Cousins signed the three-year, $84 million deal that was fully guaranteed in 2018 free agency. Uh, the way that deal was structured, it gave him a tremendous amount of leverage. Um, he's heading into his contract year this year. Uh, Minnesota had a really tight cap situation. And the way 2020 was structured, you can't put a franchise tag on him next year. Um, you could put a transition tag on him. I mean, you couldn't put a transition tag on him, I should say. And a third franchise tag for him is a 44% increase, so it would have been 44, almost $45 million to franchise him. Since they needed the cap room, that gave Cousins ammunition to get another extension. So they created about $10 million in cap room um, with his two-year extension. Now, it's a two-year extension for $66 million, averaging $33 million per year. Now, um, basically, you can't get out of this deal the way it's structured. The, this year's guaranteed. 2021 is fully guaranteed. But here's the kicker. 2022, guaranteed vest early. Third day of the league year in 2021, next March. I don't know what that date will be, but it will be sometime in next March. He's got a $35 million base salary guaranteed for injury right now. Becomes fully guaranteed next March. So they're basically stuck with him. The, the extension runs through 2022. They're gonna have to, he, they can't get rid of him through 2022, most likely, except through a trade. Um, they'd have to trade him someplace in order to get out of the contract. Now, Cousins hadn't played well this year. But let's say he turns it around. And Minnesota gets on the right track, and their playoff team this year he plays, or he plays well next year. Then, come 2022, he's going to be in a great position um, to get another extension because he has a cap number of a little over 45-1 in 2022. And if he's playing well and you want to franchise him in 2023, that number is going to be close to 65 million. So that first contract of Cousins um, after playing on two franchise tags. Set him up to get this one. So, Kirk Cousins has played the franchise tag game to perfection and then did the shorter-term deal, did the three-year extension, set it up, the three-year deal when he uh, in free agency, set it up to where Minnesota was probably going to have to come to him after two years, so he's already got another deal. And it's up to him. Plays well, then he's going to keep doing this in Minnesota or they're going to have to bite the bullet and then let them play it out and go elsewhere. But a $45 million cap number in 2022 in a contract year, that may be tough for uh, Minnesota to, to really handle at that point in time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's turn our attention to a couple of wide receiver deals. First, we'll talk about um, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Hopkins, uh, right before the start of the regular season, um, became the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history for two-year, $54.5 million extension, averaging $27.25 million per year. Um, the last time a wide receiver was highest-paid non-quarterback was Calvin Johnson in 2012. Um, Hopkins... Um, 
was traded from the Texans essentially for David Johnson um, in, in, in March. The Cardinals had three years remaining on his contract um, for just about $40 million. Now, he didn't um, use an agent, had a team of trusted advisors that helped him with the contract. Um, now, there are a couple things in this contract which are kind of surprising that he can void out of the contract and also uh, the Cardinals whether he voids or not when the deal expires can't designate him as a franchise or transition player now um, the 2024 contract year can void if during the first four years of the deal 2020 through 2023 um, Hopkins does one of four things catches at least 400 passes gets to 500 5,000 receiving yards, has 40 or more receiving touchdowns, or is named uh, first team All-Pro or All-NFL all four years. Uh, you hit one of those things, that year voids. If the year voids, then he signs a one-year extension at $39.585 million per year. and He'd be 31 at the time, and to do that, he'd still be one of the best shooters in football, so he'd have a whole lot of leverage. And catches is going to be most likely the one that he, he hits. Um, he's got a ankle injury where he is going to be a game-time decision uh, this Sunday. Um, but he's on pace to shatter the single-season reception and yardage record. So he's going to if, – if he can somewhat sustain the same pace that he's been on, he's going to make tremendous headway in the uh, reception requirement. Um Let's go to uh, Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones last year had two years left on his contract. The year before, raised a big stink about his contract. Um, the Falcons gave him a raise with, um, of about $3 million and said they would address the contract this, uh, the following year. And this came down to right before the regular season. Um, it was expected he'd become the first $20 million per year. Um, wide receiver because Michael Thomas had signed a five-year $96.25 million extension averaging 19.25 million per year um, that would that was worth up to $100 million with salary escalators. Now, nobody really expected Julio Jones to come in at $22 million per year, have a contract that was extremely front-loaded. The, um, he's got $66 million in total guarantees on a three-year extension, $66 million extension. That's um, worth up to $72 million because of salary escalators. If, you, if you're averaging $22 million per year, why do you need salary escalators? But he's got them. They're somewhat achievable. <laughs> Basically, if he's the receiver he has been, he's going to hit them, and the deal is going to max out at $72 million. $64 million was fully guaranteed at signing. Both of those are records for a wide receiver. Now, the crazy thing is, is the cash flow of this deal. The cash flow is insane. There, he's under contract for five years with a little under $87 million. So if you've got $66 million through, the, through those first three years, I mean $64 million through those first three years, then he's got 73.5% of the money in the first three years. That's crazy. That is extremely front-loaded. Now, this is a reference point. Russell Wilson had a really front-loaded contract that he signed Um when he became the highest paid player in the league. Four-year extension for, 30, for $35 million per year. Now, he's under contract for one. So he's under contract for five years, $157 million. He's got 68% of his money 
through those first three years. So the wide receiver who was under contract for two years has a more front-loaded contract than Russell Wilson. That thing is insane. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's uh, turn our attention to the offensive uh, tackle market and Larry Mutonson. Now, the moral of the story is, if you are going to give up a boatload of picks for somebody, <laughs> do the contract extension at the time of the trade. Otherwise, you hand the player in a tremendous amount of contract leverage. Uh, Tunsil also didn't do also did a deal without an, uh, a traditional agent. He had so much leverage over the Texans because they gave up essentially two first-round picks and a second-round pick. I know a couple of players were also involved, like Kenny Stills. But he hit him over the head with the leverage. <laughs> What we saw in 2019 was something which was unusual, that typically left tackle makes more than right tackle. But in 2018, right tackles became the highest paid players at the position. First, Trent Brown in free agency, and then Lane Johnson with the extension he signed off the Eagles, averaging $18 million per year. So one thing Tunsil needed to do was restore the balance of left tackles making more than right tackles, because historically, that's what's happened. And if you look at that relationship, the the left tackle, highest paid left tackles made about 14% more than the highest paid right tackle. So that would have put Tunsil's deal right at about $20.5 million. Now, he came in at $22 million, three-year extension, uh, $466 million, $50 million in guarantees, um, $40 million fully guaranteed at signing. The $40 million fully guaranteed at signing is the most ever an offensive uh, tackle contract. Now, what this deal did was it threw a monkey wrench in the negotiations for Ronnie Stanley. Um, Ronnie Stanley and Laramie Tunsil came in the same year, drafted the same year, uh, a few picks apart. Uh, both were Pro Bowlers last year. Stanley earned all pro honors. Um, Stanley playing on his fifth-year option for $12.866 million. Um, I suspect the reason Marlon Humphrey got done is because they're at an impasse with Ronnie Stanley because Stanley wants to blow past this deal, which came in higher than expected. And the Ravens typically don't do three-year extensions. They just did a five with um, Marlon Humphrey. So he's not going to get 65, 66, 67 million on a three-year extension, Ronnie Stanley. If he's going to go past Tunsil, it's probably going to be a four- or five-year extension. And probably not going to have an issue. He's destined for a franchise tag, which is going to be right around a little about about 15-5 because it's going to be 120% of his fifth-year option. Um, so the Tunsil, the Tunsil deal, because he exploited the leverage in such a way, is in all likelihood common problems with this Ronnie Stanley negotiation. Okay, let's look at uh, what George Kittle did to the tight end market. Now, the tight end market was long overdue for a reset. It had been very stagnant. In 2014, Jimmy Graham became the first $10 million per year tight end. 
And we didn't have anyone go above $10 million per year as a tight end until Austin Hooper did in free agency this year, $10.5 million per year. Now, what Kittle did was he signed a five-year extension for $75 million, $15 million per year. There's $40 million in guarantees, $30 million fully guaranteed at signing. Those are both records for a tight end. So he, he did what he needed to do to move the market. And if you look at all contracts for tight ends, you adjust them for salary cap inflation under the salary cap era. Um, Kittle's now number one. It had been Jimmy Graham because that $10 million per year uh, deal with the Saints that he signed, um, the salary cap was $133 million. That's cap's gone up 49% since then. That deal translated to 14.9 per year. So he did his job from that standpoint. Now, what is probably equally impressive or maybe more impressive is that Kittle was able to get some unexpected concessions from the 49ers and how they structure their contracts. Now, typically the 49ers have one of the most team-friendly structures for contracts. Now, their, their guarantees uh, on a rare occasion, they'll guarantee the second year at signing. For the most part, they don't. And their guarantee vesting gate date for the rolling uh, guarantees are April 1. That's late. Most teams have it first couple of days of the league year. It's like the money that's injury guaranteed, and then it's going to vest or it's become fully guaranteed or it's conditionally guaranteed. becomes fully guaranteed at a later date. It usually comes up in the year when that guarantee would come into effect. Things don't vest early for the Niners. But with Kittle, he's got his first two years uh, fully guaranteed at signing, 2020 and 2021. And he's got over 50% of his third year fully guaranteed at signing, um, which is unheard of for the 49ers. So I don't know how he got that concession, um, but hats off to him for that. And then the remainder of his uh, 2022 base salary becomes fully guaranteed in April 1 of 2021, not in 2022, which is what typically happens in those 49er contracts. He's got a um, 4.9 of his 2023 base salary guaranteed for injury that becomes fully guaranteed as well. The 2023 base salary becomes fully guaranteed in 2022. So he has charted new territory, made them set a new precedent, in terms of how they structure deals. Because the Niners don't do this, but they did it with Kittle. So that is incredibly impressive. One last um, offensive player contract to touch on. Kyle Yusek, the fullback. Now, when Yusek signed his deal in 2017, it was so much more than everything else in terms of fullback market. Four-year deal, $21 million, $5.25 million average. He's in the last year of the contract, so he's playing it out. Now, when he signed the deal, the second most lucrative fullback contract was Patrick DeMarco. The Bills signed right around the same time he did it, $2.1 million per year. The market hasn't even come close to catching up to USEC. And fullback is really dying breed. I know they throw the ball to him more than most fullbacks, and he uh, helps – in the run game with his blocking. But right now, the second highest paid fullback is uh, Patrick Ricard, um, the fullback slash defensive tackle with the Ravens. I don't know how much of his $3.65 million extension he signed late last year, 
as a two-year extension is for him being a fullback or because of his versatility. But that's the number two guy. So he, nobody's still really close to USAC. This deal is an outlier. Now, what is going to be interesting is the fact that when he signed the deal, the Niners didn't have had a ton of cap room. Garoppolo wasn't under contract. They didn't have the highest paid tight end. Uh, they didn't have a couple high pay, high priced uh, defensive linemen. Totally different team. That ton of cap room. Now, cap's going down. Cap floor in 2021 is 175, 175 million. I don't know if it's going to be 175 or it hopefully settles at 180, 185. But is USEC going to be more of a luxury <laughs> that the Niners can't afford next year? Market, he's way above the rest of the market. He's gotten older, goes to Pro Bowl each year. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Niners can actually afford him. Cap coming down, they're in a much different place cap-wise than they were uh, when they signed him. So I I suspect he's not going to be, could be wrong, he's not going to be on his next deal an average of what he's at on this deal. <laughs> but hey, that remains to be seen. Anyway, that wraps it up for uh, this week's uh, episode of Inside the Cap. Uh, don't forget, you can find me um, on Twitter, uh, Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and my regular column, Agents Take, at cbssports.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Inside the Cap. Goodbye.